And now you're tuning in to the Women Unplugged podcast. Hey, plugs! Welcome to episode five of our Women Unplugged podcast. I'm so excited. Today's episode is called Polygamy Fix My Life. Okay, and we have a special guest, international motivational speaker and best-selling author. Her name is Dr. Cheryl Woods Empowered. I'm your girl, Bougie Candy. I'm Penny, short for Penny for your thoughts, a.k.a. Annie Oakley with the pen. And I'm your girl, Lavina J. I got the news, the tea, whatever you need. Yes, yes, yes. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Women Unplugged underscore. And please don't forget to subscribe, follow, comment, and give us feedback on our YouTube channel. Lavina, what's the news? Okay, so did you know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month? I didn't no. know. And a lot of people don't. Lucky for us, there's actually an organization called NAMI, N-A-M-I is an acronym for the National Alliance of Mental Health and Illnesses. Um, and they are actually an amazing organization. But also, a part of their motto is, when we care, people feel loved, people feel heard, and people recover. And so I really wanted to highlight that because um, a According to NAMI.org, one in five of Americans has mental health or they're affected by mental health or some kind of mental illness. And I wanted to ask you ladies, what do you think the biggest stigma of mental health or mental illness is? For me personally, um, dealing with my own mental health journey, it was taking medication. I've always been pro therapy. I'm, but when it's like, Oh, you have to, you have to take something to, to fix yourself. That's when it's like, I, I, I was really hesitant about it, but educating myself, looking up the different side effects, looking at the alternatives, I did make the decision to start taking medication, but I do eventually want to go a more holistic route just for my own, uh, peace of mind. Okay. Well, I would have to agree with Penny. The biggest stigma to me um, is what does treatment really look like when it comes down to mental health issues? A lot of people are afraid of getting worse before they get better or just simply if it's incorporated with me having to spend money on medication I cannot afford or something that I may have to be on long term. One of the great things about NAMI is the fact that they believe in hope, support, and education. Then that leads me to the next question. Why do you think that in black and brown communities, it is so difficult for us to have conversations about mental health? I feel like it's because what you just said, you have to educate. It's not just me educating myself. It's everyone else around me. So if I'm young, a lot of these mental issues are not just arising in adulthood. These are things that are happening when we were younger that we're not dealing with, acknowledging, and tackling. So it's, you know, they're developing and they're prolonging as we get older. And they're, of course, more difficult to deal with psychologically and mentally. So the first step to me is acknowledgement. But you can't really acknowledge that if 
you're surrounded by people who are giving you mixed signals, like nothing is wrong with you. I, if, if my family is downplaying that, or my family is saying, don't tell anyone, or don't talk about this, or you're a problem, however they're reacting to it, if it's something that's not supportive of me getting the help that I need, then it becomes something that I become to accept. And I don't really get an opportunity to address it, and I'm not getting the support that I need right to address it yeah. that's the bigger issue in the black community us not wanting to really admit we have a problem right and i think it goes into something that we mentioned in a previous episode as well which is that a lot of times in our black and brown communities the you know the motto is what goes on in this house stays in this house and we i think the fact that we make that so important has such a bearing and a weight on people, especially as now we're coming to an age where people are more open and there's more dialogue around things that normally would be like swept under the rug or don't talk about that, don't speak about that. Um, so I really wanted to make sure we highlight that for May, for anyone who's out there listening. Like we always say, Women Unplugged, we are your allies. We really love you guys we appreciate you and there's so many resources for you especially surrounding this subject like nami.org is just one organization there's so many out there so please take your mental health seriously please take your loved ones mental health seriously and don't let a day pass where you just don't have a conversation <laughs> but like, that is the news for today honey. all right so our next guest is the powerhouse not only is the DC native an executive speaker and best-selling author, she's a development coach and international motivational speaker who's been featured in Essence, Radio One, Forbes Magazine, and Huffington Post, just to name a few. Let's welcome Dr. Cheryl Wood and Powers. Hi. Hello. Hi, How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. So, I watched your Speaker Camp 16 class via YouTube, and you stated that you worked in corporate America for 15 years. What was your push to get started yeah. as a motivational speaker? Oh, my God. Um, so, I always like to say speaking found me, um, but it found me because I was in movement and motion towards something that was different and new and completely out of my wheelhouse. So, you know, when you work a corporate job for 15 years, you get used to something called direct deposit. Like that is a beautiful thing. Every two weeks, you know, it's going to be there. Mm -hmm. But the, the piece that I was missing was freedom. Um, I didn't have time freedom. I didn't have financial freedom. I didn't have creative freedom. And I desired that, especially at that time, because I was a mother and that was back in 2009. So then my kids were two, three and six. And so they were babies. I'm like, no, I want to be able to raise my own babies. And I want to be able to put my morals and my values and principles into them. Not, oh, they're in somebody else's care for 12 hours a day. And so they're learning what somebody else thinks is important in, in life and in the world. And that really was my kickstart. So actually, while I still kept my full-time gig, I started a t-shirt business, a mommy t-shirt business in 2009. Wow. It was called Moms are the Best. And I would go on weekends to flea markets, trade show events, conferences, and I would try to sell these t-shirts. 
And sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't, but it was, it was being on that path of interrupting my own norm that allowed me to fall into speaking. So about 18 months into doing that, um, I got a phone call from somebody at Morgan State University and the person said, hey, Miss Wood, we heard about your t-shirt business. We want you to come to our annual women's conference and speak to other moms in the Baltimore community about starting their own businesses and what that looks like. And y'all know what I did? <laughs> like, I burst out laughing. I was like, oh, you dialed the wrong number. You are not looking for this show, Wood, because I wasn't a speaker at the time. <laughs> it was like, you are, you definitely misdialed. I wasn't a speaker. I didn't feel qualified to be on anybody's stage speaking, but that's when I gave myself permission to say yes. Even mm -hmm. in spite of not feeling quite qualified, there was something in my spirit that was calling me. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes when it's your gift, it, it calls you, it magnetizes you, it draws you, and you owe it to yourself to say yes more than you say no so that you can walk through the doors of opportunity that will put you on the path of what you're really supposed to be doing in life. So I said yes. And that was September 18th, 2010. I remember it like it was yesterday. And, and when I realized that just being me was just enough, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And as they say, the rest is history. That is beautiful. So when, what, and where was your mama I made it moment? Oh, oh that's so good. Probably when I got my first check to speak. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> and, I, and I think it was only like $250, but I was like, mama, I done made it, mama. They paying me $250 to speak on stage for 30 minutes. Like my corporate job was not paying me that kind of money for 30 minutes of my time. So at the time I thought I had arrived because of that. Um, and I mean, I say that facetiously because of course I knew there was a bigger, a bigger level and a bigger goal I wanted to, but for somebody to stroke me a check, for me to just come and do what I was so passionate about anyway, and to share my, my unique life story and my experiences was just crazy to me. Like, I can't believe somebody's going to pay me to come and talk about my story and my mess. Um, and so I, that was for me a tipping point for me to know I wanted to stick with that thing. And I just wanted to keep growing it. And, and I think the other thing about that was on the other side of it, I used to see, because I always have had women as my target audience. And I used to really dig deep into talking about being fearless and having tenacity to go after what you want and not letting what you don't have stop you. Right. So I was really, really big into that. And that's still a big part of my message, but I remember the way the women would look when I shared that message. So I'm on stage and I'm looking into their eyes and I'm seeing women wipe the tears from their eyes and I'm yeah. seeing them holding back from fighting, breaking down because I'm, I'm touching something in their core I was like, oh, I want to feel like this forever. I, I want to, whatever this thing is right here, I want to do this forever. And I just started going from there. That's beautiful. So when you meet legends like Lisa Nichols, what were your takeaways from those interactions? Well, ironically, Lisa Nichols is actually one of my coaches. She's one of my speaker coaches. Um, I flew out to Calabasas, California about, I guess it was a couple years ago. I had already grown my business to a certain extent. And I think all of us have the ability to grow to a certain extent on our own knowledge, but then we have to get access to someone else's knowledge. So I actually flew out to Calabasas, California. I'm here in Maryland. And I spent the whole day with her. And just her and I, VIP day, it was 40 grand. I'm going to repeat that because some, some women need to understand success ain't never free. It ain't never easy, never convenient, and never quick. 
40 grand. My husband thought I had lost my mind because he already saw me as this great woman, right? Like, which is a beautiful thing. He's like, but you sure are with the powers. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I got, a, I got a long way to go still. And I need to get access to knowledge from someone who's already 30 to 40 steps ahead of me and has been in this game 15 years longer than me. So um, when I went there, I think there were a couple things I learned. I think number one, I learned that I was not giving myself enough credit for what I already knew. That was the first mm-hmm. thing. And mm-hmm. I was not giving up enough credit for what I already had in my wheelhouse that I could have already been selling. And then I think the second thing was, and I'll never forget Lisa Nichols saying this to me throughout that VIP day and some other events I went to. And she said, I don't ever want you to speak to work on speaking another day. Like don't take another speaking class. Don't take another speaker training of course. That's all right. You got that down. She's like, now what I want you to do is I want you to flex your CEO muscle. I want you to wear the CEO hat, which meant I had to look at my infrastructure, my operations, like all the other stuff, not just, not just, oh, getting on stage and speaking. So for me, that was one of my, my biggest lessons. I think another big lesson just from being mentored, some up in close and close personal relationships and some from just afar, is that no matter who you coach with, you still got to do the work. <laughs> I really like what you said because for one well I'm a mom too <laughs> so yes. being a mom and being somebody who's like focused on getting a business started and creating a platform and a brand what are three things that we need to get rid of that would help us get to that next level of success that you're talking about oh um, I, I would say number one get rid of the idea or the that you're ever going to have balance <laughs> That thing don't exist. Wow. That thing does not That's, exist. That um, is deep. When I, for me, I, I just, yeah, like it's real. I, I'm married. My husband and I just celebrated 13 years of marriage last month. I got three kids. My, my youngest is 12. I got a 13-year-old and I have a 16-year-old. So I'm busy, right? But what I had to do was learn how to give myself grace and understand that I can only be great at one thing at a time. I can only give 100% of Cheryl to one thing at a time. And what that means is, realistically, there are times when my family is going to take a backseat to my business, and that's okay. And there are times when my business is going to take a backseat to my family, and that's okay. As long as whatever space I'm playing in in that moment, whether it's family or whether it's business, as long as I'm giving myself a, giving them 100% time and attention in that moment, I'm going to give myself grace never to have it all figured out in terms of balance. So that would be my first thing. Um, I think my second thing is for us as moms to give ourselves permission to pursue our possibilities while we're fulfilling our responsibilities. Because so often we're like, well, I can't do this because, oh, but the kids need me. Oh, but he needs, my husband needs me. Or somebody always going, somebody always going to need you. (laughs) And as long as as you are giving out in doses what you have, your time, your energy, your effort, you think people are going to turn it down? No. So it's really up to you to take a firm stand and say, I love being your wife. I love being your mother. I love being your daughter, mom. But I also understand that, no, I get to choose to be all of those things. So giving yourself that permission to pursue your possibilities while you're fulfilling your responsibilities. And I think last but not least, number three, I would say 
man, I would say upgrade your internal dialogue about what you're capable of. Because mm-hmm. every single mm-hmm. one of us has our name firmly engraved on certain blessings. What type of advice will you give for those of us who want to do better for ourselves, but we really have trouble leaving our comfort, like that nine to five job, that direct deposit that does come biweekly and warmth of our comfort zone. What was the pushing motivational step for you that kept you going and made you not look back? I grew up in Baltimore City. I grew up in Lafayette Projects. Now, you don't know have to, have to know what Lafayette is, but you know what the projects represents. That's what I grew up in, in an inner city housing project in Baltimore, Maryland, where I saw drug addiction on every corner. I saw people selling drugs on every other corner. I saw teenage pregnancy with girls that was 12 and 13. I saw people, including my mother, who went to work every day, one of the hardest working women I've ever known, and still we were so beneath the poverty line, we had to be on food stamps and government assistance. And I used to hate that. Like, I used to hate watching my mother struggle to figure out how she was going to feed three kids as a single parent. Then I had dysfunction in my household because my father suffered from alcoholism. Bless his soul, rest Mm -hmm. his soul. But he suffered from alcoholism and wreaked havoc in our lives. I literally Mm -hmm. witnessed my father be abusive to my mother. There were times my mother would wake us at two in the morning and be whispering, trying to get us up and get us dressed so we could run out of the house and escape my father's violence in his, you know, we would go and stay at this place called the House of Ruth, which was a protective agency for bad women and their children. I remember those, those times. I remember, and it's like, like, how do I become a giant in the world when I come from nothing? How do I come a giant in the world when I came from scarcity, like barely being able to eat every day? And then when I graduated high school out of Baltimore, I didn't go to college. So the beginning and the end look a whole lot different. And so I'm sharing that because I need somebody to understand that I don't want you to compare your chapter one to my chapter 10. This this is this is year 10. Chapter 10 for me and it's sexy. But let me tell you where it started. And, and all the head trash I had to work through in my own mind to believe that I was worthy of being on stage teaching other people as women. So I'm sharing that because no excuses. I, I mm-hmm. need whoever's listening to understand that there's no excuses for you not implementing the greatness that's been given to you and what you've been born to do. You owe it to yourself. You are worthy. You are capable. And you are enough just as you are. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Cheryl. I do have a question about your latest book, yes. Speaking My Truth. Tell, can you tell us a little about it? Like what inspired yes. it? Yes, yes, yes. So it's actually, that was a book anthology. So I, I, am, I do pretty, a lot, a lot of book anthologies um, because a big part of what I do in terms of my messaging and helping women to unleash the power of their voice is understanding that, yes, you need to articulate it verbally, but also it needs to be in writing. And... Mm-hmm. It needs to be in writing because that becomes a part of your legacy because that's the thing that people get to pass down and hand down. Like in the African-American community, we typically hand things down verbally. We tell stories and then the, the story gets jacked up midway through and, and then it ain't <laughs> even a real story no more. It's just something somebody made up, right? So <laughs> I highly encourage and challenge people to put your story in role. That's what that story, uh, that's what that book project specifically was about, was giving, I think we had 40, 40 co-authors in that book, um, just being vulnerable and sharing their raw truth and their story so that they bless someone else's life. Because, and this, you'll hear me say this over and over again, your story is about you, but it ain't for you. 
It's about mm. you because you went, but it's for someone else's edification. And the moment you open your mouth and you start telling your real truth, you let someone else know that they're not alone in what pain or problem they're going through right now. And number two, you let them know that there's hope on the other side of the pain that are currently going through. So your story has more power than anything else that you're sitting on. And when you keep it to yourself and you hoard your hurt, because some of us are hoarders of our hurt. We keep it all inside. We don't share it. We don't stick on it. So when you hoard your hurt, you hurt yourself more. Say it. That's beautiful. So how can our listeners reach you? You can connect with me online. I'm at Cheryl Empowers on all the social media platforms. I love IG. I've been hanging out over there a lot. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Everything is the same at Cheryl Empowers. And my website is CherylEmpowers.com. And actually, if you go there and you put in your name and email, um, there's a free template that I give out, which is called a signature story template. Because all of us should have a signature story that connects to our brand identity. And sometimes we, as women, have a hard time pulling out what that signature story is because we have so many life stories. But it's important that you narrow that down so that you can really make the greatest impact possible with your voice and with your story and with the people who are magnetized to that voice and that story. Oh, my gosh. Like, thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you for providing all the tools the knowledge and the wisdom today because everything hit home for me. So I know it's plenty of women out there who feel the same. Girl, look, you can cry them tears because those tears uh, are tears of joy in all of us. And it still brings me tears 10 years later in the journey that I was born for something greater and bigger than And when you feel that in your soul, you cannot keep quiet. You cannot Mm -hmm. stay stuck where you are. Maya Angelou has this beautiful quote that says, pursue the thing you love doing and do it so well that people can't take their eyes off of you. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want every woman to be able to embrace that there's something you do so well that people shouldn't be able to take their eyes off of you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. So I'm going to dive into the topic, which is polygamy. Now I will start with my opinion. I feel like polygamous relationships and open relationships are starting to become more of a norm or what we call in sociology, a social norm. So my first question to you ladies is what is the difference between an open relationship and a polygamous relationship? I believe different strokes for different folks, no pun intended. I'm a monogamous person myself, but I can have a conversation. I can be friends with someone who has different beliefs. If that works for you, that works for you. Personally, I've been in an open relationship and didn't know about it. So I think it just goes back to communication, being self-aware, knowing who you are and knowing what you want, being incredibly vocal about that to someone you might be potentially building something with and going from there. And I think we've brought, it's been brought up before where once you're in a relationship, it's like it, we're, we're perfect for each other. But then later down, it's like, Ooh, you're into this. Didn't know that, that, you know, I wasn't ready for this. So I think it just goes, it boils down to communication. Cause even if someone doesn't have the same beliefs as you, they can work with you. If they are really interested in you and are open to that, um, polygamy isn't for me, but I'm not judging. I'm not judging at all. I don't like the stigma mainly in 
pop culture where like in certain songs, you know, my girl got a girlfriend and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. I feel sometimes, especially women who tend to be a bit more impressionable, I've definitely been on the naive end of things and I wasn't going for it because that's just not me. But I feel sometimes there's a, a pressure specifically on women where if you want me, you're going to have to share. If you want to be in a happy relationship, you're going to have to, you know, and that's what I don't like. And I do know that there are women who are with men that are okay with them having mm -hmm. um, outside relationships, having other partners, but it's a little less on that side of the spectrum. So I just think it should be equal around the board because a lot of men are, oh, I, you know, I can do this, but you know, not nah, she can stay at home. You know, women don't need more than one partner. So that's what I don't like. I don't like the pressure on the women where it's like, you know, in order to be happy, because I know women that are in relationships and sharing and miserable, but just to say mm -hmm. that they have someone coming home every night, it's like, well, he comes home, you know, that's so it just boils down to you. What do you want? And being with someone that can respect that. What about you, Lavina? As a married woman, you know I have to get your insight on this, okay? <laughs> How do you feel about the whole polygamy thing? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus, I always get hot when we start having these discussions. Okay, so, yo, Webster's definition of polygamy literally says the practice or custom of having more than one wife or husband. Mm -hmm. Your wife or husband, that means marriage. Mm -hmm. And since it's marriage, I'm trying to understand how as a society, and like Penny said, in pop culture, that we yeah. have not somehow formulated something that was a practice or custom into being a lifestyle choice. I don't agree. Um, because a lot of people who are applying this practice to their lives are not married. And a lot of those people are like, oh, well, marriage is just a piece of paper. And of course, you guys know I am married. And marriage is way more than a piece of paper. Marriage is, you know, people say covenant, people say commitment. There's so many words for it. But in a nutshell, you're not just saying I'm going to be with you for the rest of my life. You're saying, uh, as per the government, we must put our credit together. Uh, as per real life, we about to make kids, make children together. We're going to go have, like, we're going to bring dreams. Well, I hope and I pray we're bringing dreams and goals together. And we're not just, you know, somewhere sitting around chilling, hoping, waiting. Um, there's so much more to put to it. So, I don't even understand how you have the mental capacity. Like, no, no polygamy, no open relationships. To the people who it's their practice or their custom, I respect it. Because for some people, it is a part of their religion. And I understand that. But for people who are just like, yo, I'm trying to, I'm trying to have two boyfriends. I'm trying to have two girlfriends or whatever. It's just not healthy. And there's no way to properly balance it in my eyes. There's no way there you have to give so much to a person, especially in a marriage. And I'm saying marriage because that was the definition, but you have to give so much to another person or I'll just say in any type of relationship that's just one-on-one, -on -one, how can you possibly do that to multiple people? I don't know. 
So what you're talking about is a point that I wanted to make where this custom originated from marriage, right? This was not something that was practiced where it was multiple baby mamas or multiple sexual partners or multiple girlfriends or boyfriends. It was a multiple wife or a multiple husband situation because it can go both ways where a woman can have multiple partners just as well as a man. So... If you have a partner that wanted a polygamous relationship, what would your first thought be? And I'm going to take this one to Lavina first, because let's say your husband walked in the room tonight, like, hey, hun, you know, I really wanted to entertain bringing in another partner. Would it matter that they were male or female? And then what would your response be? Hell no. I don't know. <laughs> I, I felt that on a spiritual level, like that came from the core. <laughs> Absolutely not. There is no way. And even if I just, if I don't think about him in general, if I just think about myself, because that's what we're always talking about, right? If I'm thinking about my, what myself and what's best for me, what is best for me? is not being in a relationship with multiple people where I am, like you said, Candy, I'm a believer that in any relationship, it is a partnership. Um, mm -hmm. I love the fact that my husband and I, you know, we're able to have conversations and, and even right now we're planning to start a business together. That's important to me, but to have to do that with more than one person, the idea of it for me is just stressful. The idea mm -hmm. that, because you're saying a polygamous relationship, which means I have to show love to this other person. It's not just like them, like, oh, I'm going to bring in another person that I want to love. No, it's a, it's a relationship. So that means we all mutually would be loving each other. We all mutually would be, you know, pushing and encouraging each other. And all the aspects of a relationship would be between however many people are coming in. And I say hell no, because that is way too much pressure and too much stress on top of just being a normal human being, just being a normal mm -hmm. human being, being a normal woman, having my own wants and needs. Like I'm selfish. I don't know about y'all, but I'm selfish. I just want what I want when I want it. And I'm spoiled. I really, really am. And so to think about having to share that with another person for whatever reason, absolutely not. I could, so it would, if that was a deal breaker, I, I I'd be single because I can't do it. Oh, that's the first part. The second part, and I really want to get your insight on this because a lot of people are going through this today. Would it matter if he came to you and said that he wanted a partner of the same sex or opposite sex? It doesn't matter. The sex doesn't matter. It's still just another person. It's another human being that you want to bring into our relationship. Obviously, there would be more um, conversation of Right. I was about to say, I'm sure you have a little bit more questions if it was the same gender. That would be another conversation. Like, that would be, see, where we going? I, no. <laughs> Some different words will be shared. I have questions. I have concerns. I have an issue. <laughs> but um, I don't think it matters. I think the fact that just wanting to bring another person in is where I'm saying I just have to check myself on what's best for me because for somebody else they may be like hey 
I need a break from you. You getting on my nerves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like somebody else could be perfectly fine with that. Um, and that would be fine. You know, whatever floats your boat, honey. But no, it wouldn't matter male or female. Obviously, if it was male, there would be more to the conversation. It wouldn't be so simple and cut and dry. <laughs> but uh, still, no. <laughs> what about you, Penny? Okay. My take on that, only from experience, I would make assumptions. I would jump to conclusions <laughs> because I've been met with, hey, how do you feel about a, me, you, and another woman and that whole shenanigan. So what I will say, also playing the devil's advocate, I've been to relationship seminars and different events where we discuss these topics. And I've met people that are in polygamous relationships and making it work. There mm-hmm. some, you know, if you can make it work, make it work because you do have where the saying, you know, you can't be everything for everyone. It may not even be sexual. Um, yep. I may, so I may want to bring someone in because uh, you like, I don't like, I like sports. You don't like sports. And we just watch sports together. Just having that area of my life be fulfilled, so to speak. It's not for me. I'm not a polygamous person. And that would go back to me getting to know that person and us being up front. And of course we change and evolve and things like that. So your mind may change, but I would still keep my stance as far as it being male or female, I would say just keeping the communication open and making sure that we're fulfilling each other the best way that we can so there wouldn't be a need for either of us to want to bring in a third party. Because like you said, I'm big on energy. Energy is powerful. And when you are spreading yourself amongst multiple people, and like I said, it may not even be sexual, but it does, it is time consuming and it is energy Mm -hmm. consuming. And we're in quarantine. So (laughs) I'm in love with you. I got to call her. I got to see what he's doing. Like, it's too much. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that's where I am on that. So, I agree with you. It comes down to me where I say love yourself. The reason why I say love yourself first is because when you don't love yourself, we have a tendency to look for those for that love or that emotional or mental sexual validation in others. Um, people are not being upfront saying like, hey, I want a polygamous relationship, or hey, I want multiple women, or hey, I want to be in a relationship with a man and a woman, or however the case may be, people are not doing that enough. People are doing it, because some people do have that successful polygamous or open relationship or open marriage, but it's not happening enough where you see, you see the divorce rate, you see the level of people not getting married any, like how they used to, and then the people who are getting married are getting divorced. We're not communicating with one another. We're not being real with one another. Taking the time to get to know one another and see what we really want, right? Love yourself. Do not look for love in others or try to fill a void with multiple people. Know what you want. After you loving yourself and knowing what you want, then you can go ahead and find what you want in other people after knowing what you want and being transparent about it. I am a firm believer, and I said this in the um, women event that we went to, ladies, and I said it on a few of our shows, and I'm saying it now. When you are real, it's law of attraction. You will naturally attract a person who wants 
what you want. There are plenty of people in our generation who are open to the open relationship or the polygamous relationship thing, right? Whether they enter it and find out that's not for them, they are open to it. They are receptive to it. Don't deceive the next person into entering that lifestyle. Like a lot of us have been deceived and I feel like we have a negative connotation about it because we don't feel like it can be something transparent. But for the people who want that, be open about it. Even if you have 50 people that walk away from you that aren't interested, that 51st person may be the one that says, hey, I'm down. I've been waiting for you to come around and find me. We found each other. Let's find our partner and, and create this relationship that we've been looking for. I'm a firm believer. So I am not for the polygamous relationship. However, I can definitely see, especially for like most women, that, well, not most women, but for those women who do like women, I can see how that could work. I can see how that could work if you're a bisexual woman or a bisexual man, or if you're a man who's bi, I can see how that could work. But first and foremost, you have to love yourself and be real with your potential partners about what you are looking for. And that's all I'm going to say on it. Before I get into today's Penny for Your Thoughts, I want us to take a moment of silence for Ahmad Arbery and Doug Lewis. They were both uh, victims of gun violence, um, racially based gun violence. And it's very, it's, it's a very sad, it's very saddening. But um, I was listening to Charlemagne do the donkey of the day, and he gave it to the assailant of Doug Lewis, and he said, I have, like, black paranoia, black annoya, because it's subconsciously, it's like, oh, it's only a matter of time. So when it happens, it's like, it's a hit, even if it's not someone you know. So yeah. on a more positive note, getting into my penny for your thoughts, my penny for you guys' thoughts. I low-key feel attacked because I feel like our entire interview with Dr. Cheryl Wood was a penny for your thoughts. But talking you know, to you, she was talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like she gave it to the girls. Like I don't, you know, drop the mic. I don't have to say anything. But um, I actually wrote a poem in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, and it is: Mental health can be a battle. For some, it's a war. You hold the power to win. The keys in your core. Some days are harder than nights in the forest building your fortress, but you have the right to happiness even if you have to fight for it. Because especially in our communities, it's such a stigma sometimes, and there is nothing wrong with you. What you're dealing with is completely normal. Just educate yourself and surround yourself by people who will support your journey. And then my part two, of course, I got to quote the fabulous queen, Dr. Cheryl Wooden Powers. She said, uh, I was scrolling through her IG, and right here it says, only go where you are celebrated and not tolerated. Mm, whether it's your mental health, whether it's your stance on relationships, if you want, you want what you want, and you are who you are, be around those who love, respect, and appreciate that. So that is my penny for your thoughts today. Yes. That was, that was awesome. First of all, yes, Penny. I feel like I need a poem from you every time, but um, <laughs> that, 
so on point and it's so poignant and we have talked about so many topics today so you guys may is mental health awareness month be aware be knowledgeable get educated like penny said don't feel bad about who you are and don't feel bad about who you're connected to because you can't choose your family there's things that you know we just can't choose that are out of our control so Make sure that you are bringing your sense of empathy, sympathy, and compassion. Um, on another note, <laughs> Cheryl Wood Empowered, she's just talking about, you know, be amazing in today. Be amazing in today. Make sure the energy that you are giving off is also the energy that you are receiving back. You never want to be putting yourself in a position where, one, you're depleted, but Two, that you're you're not just so you're not so depleted that you can't give anything else. You should also be receiving. We should always be on the receiving of love and good energy and positive vibes every time. And in its simplest form, you guys, value. That's exactly what Candy was saying. Her ending conversation as far as polygamy goes. If it's for you, it's for you. Do you boo? But if it's not. Don't be ashamed or don't be hurt or don't be sad at the fact that maybe this relationship didn't work out with this specific person. That just wasn't the time. They, they couldn't value you. They couldn't understand who you were. And if they can't understand how to help you hold up your crown, honey, they're not worth it, male or female. So, nope. you know, of course, mm -hmm. as we always say, we here at Women Unplugged, we are your allies. We love you. You guys are the plug into everything that we're talking about. Make sure that you follow us on all of our social media platforms. That is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all of our social platforms, it's at Women Unplugged underscore. On YouTube, it is Women Unplugged Podcast. So stay plugged in, you guys. We love you. We're so excited to hear from you. And we'll, we'll be talking to you guys in a few weeks. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>